0: Somebody get me a glass of cold water, or something, or a coke, or anything like that it would be fabulous. I appreciate that. I've been running around like a maniac for the like last like Roanoke yesterday with the big Sarah Palin rally, and and then uh, up into the valley, and then over from uh, from the valley this afternoon over to you guys. So it's like, wee, wee. <laughs> if it's Tuesday, it must be Christmas. <laughs> well, okay. The simplest way for me to do this right now, because I don't know what everybody knows, I don't don't know what everybody doesn't know, I want to know what people want to ask. Um, Everybody, I guess, has some idea of who I am, but let me give you a quick idea that's more detailed informationally. Cyrus and I know each other because of my work at the National Right to life Committee. And I've been working at the National Right to life Committee since 1985 as the Director of American Victims of Abortion. Now I wear another hat, as all good pro-lifers do, you end up being able to wear multiple hats whenever you are called upon to do so. Thank you. Like answering the Holy Spirit said, do it now. And I'm now the president of the Virginia Society for Human Life. And I will tell you quite honestly that that's... Oh, I'm sorry, sweetheart. I forgot you were reporting. Uh, I will tell you that that means an entirely new layer of responsibility. And that's why I'm so delighted that now that I have this title, I had the opportunity to come to Christendom and say, Virginia needs your help. You're not all Virginians but you're here. Now, before we do much more, I think the simplest thing for us to do, quite frankly, from my point of view, is to have you ask me questions, because I don't know what you know, I don't know what you've gone over yet, I don't know how many of you have already been sort of talking to each other, or how many people. I will ask one question. How many people in the room have ever done an activity like this before? One, two, three, four, a couple of you, okay. I'd say about a quarter of the people in the room. That's good, that's great. You've been great educators for the rest of your peers. Now, that makes me understand that there's a lot of educating going on here and I think that's where I fall in because at the same age you are, in my early 20s, I started doing these activities. So I've been doing it that long. And it is still, of all the things I do in the pro-life movement, probably the single, well, there's two things I like to do best in the pro One of them, our county fairs or fair booths or exhibits of any kind, and the other are lit drums. And I do a lot of things in the movement. In the last two months alone, I've spoken at eight, count up, eight colleges in the state of Virginia. There are eight different universities participating in this activity. You're one of them. And I just coordinated last night. With any luck, we're going to have both Patrick Henry and Virginia Tech lined up, which will make a nice round figure of 10 Virginia colleges. And maybe we might even make it weird and make make, make a baker's dozen because Regent is about to sign off. So everybody is involved in this. And I love it because it's absolutely telling me that your generation is ready to take leadership roles. And I tell people all the time in the movement, it isn't necessary for us to look at your generation and say, you're the next generation of pro life leaders. You are the current leadership. Because barring one or two of you, everybody in this room is old enough to vote. That makes you an adult. That gives you different levels of responsibility. (coughs) And as I said to the small group that we had, when I first came about a month ago, I asked this question. What is the single most powerful tool God gave you all as young Catholic Americans to use to recreate a culture of life in America? Don't anybody who was in that room that night ask this question. What is it? These are young Catholic Americans studying to be leaders in our culture. You know that our admission and from the last great Pope and the new Pope is to rebuild a culture of life. What's the single most powerful tool God's given you? Is young Catholic American leaders. Fair. Say it again. Fair. No. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I'll say one thing about it. Christendom students are consistent. That was exactly the same first answer at the last gathering. It's a very important tool. But that prayer is avail- That tool is available to every young Catholic Christian leader worldwide. Is it not? So, what's the single most powerful tool you have as an American, Catholic leader? Say it. Go ahead. Liberty. Freedom. 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 Free will. Oh, free will. Free will. to everybody too. That's, that's <laughs> that 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 was, there was Some location called the Garden of Eden where that one came down. So we're we're good on that one. Freedom. Freedom. freedom what, what does freedom part of the The vote. <laughs> the vote. The vote. The power of the vote. Which, in the United States, creates an entirely different dynamic on young Americans, particularly young Christian Americans, because that little passage in the scripture that says, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar, it's a whole different set of responsibilities for us. Why? Because here we are Caesar. In the United States of America, you're Caesar, you're Caesar, I'm Caesar, you're Caesar, you're Caesar. That's the way it works here. And for whatever reason, the majority of us in this room, I'm taking it, are native-born Americans or have become Americans or like the American way of life. And the truth is that as an American, we have an entirely set, different set of standards and responsibilities. No place else in the world, even in Great Britain and other parliamentary systems, do they have the same level of personal responsibility to what is going wrong or right in our government structure. John Paul, too, talked about it a lot. I had the great privilege of going to the first conference after Evangelion Vitae was written. And in his general audience, to those of us who were pro-life leaders and people working worldwide on pro-life issues, he actually articulated that. He made mention, in fact, that the American system was unique in the kind of responsibility that it places on us. So that's why I'm thrilled you're all here and you want to do this job this weekend. Because this is how, this is the only place in the world where this kind of activity can take place. This is not done anywhere else on the planet in any other democracy of any kind. So this is unique in that context as well. So everything about what you're about to do is part and parcel of this unique place in time where God has put you (coughs) He decided that each one of you in this room would be created, here and now, as Americans. I find that, as a student of history, extremely exciting. I like the fact that I have been invited, by God's design, to help write history, here, for the next generation. I find it incredibly interesting, as a Catholic, that we have this different understanding of how history shapes and grows and evolves and develops and transforms every culture where we are planted. I like that. That's why I'm thrilled you're here. And that's why I now want everyone to ask me anything, to discuss anything that makes you nervous about this or that you don't understand or that you, like you want to do more of go ahead shoot there is no wrong question there are good answers to every question and I want you to ask them <gasps> did Cyrus do that good a job oh Cyrus I will have to go back to the national staff and say you learned something this summer <laughs> yeah. yes sir. what was your um, name again I'm Ashley Ashley that's um, right there have been a lot of priests that uh, said that they um, disagree with the Litchock movement. Mm-hmm. Um, what do we do if we're confronted with like, a priest or staff? Or- OK, let me stay over here close to the microphone. Um, <laughs> the question is about what to do if a member of the clergy uh, is concerned about or raises an objection to doing this kind of activity. Well, two things are going on there. If Cyrus has done his job properly, you've all been taught, and you will learn more if you don't know this yet. When we do this activity, this is legal. And we do it peacefully, we do it non-argumentatively, we do it politely. Which means if Father comes out of church and says, we don't want you to do this here, you are allowed to speak to him for a few minutes and say, well Father, this is a a task that is allowed under the understanding that parking lots are quasi-public property. You know that you're not allowed to tell people exactly who to vote for, who the pro-life candidates are in this area, in this congressional district, or in the state. And so that's our job. Um, As laity, we can do that. And this is a legally protected freedom of speech thing. You can politely tell Father that. And if Father says, well, I understand, but we don't want you to do that here. The bishop has concerns, or we've already spoken about it from the pulpit, say, thank you, Father. Thank you for listening to me. I appreciate that you took the time. You go to your car, you drive away. It's never wrong to try to talk with and educate the clergy about areas there is ambivalence and confusion on, because quite frankly, there is confusion about this. This is a peculiar area of the law. The idea of quasi-public parking lots comes from an entire body of legal cases some of which involve places like restaurants or shopping, uh, shopping centers, some involve places like, um, you know, more, somewhat more private places like museums and churches and things of that nature. All of those cases come down on the idea that ind- individual places like those operate, their parking lots, that is, operate under the understanding that there is a general invitation to anyone from anywhere at any time to come onto the parking lot. There are no signs, I suppose there could be some signs in some churches that say only members of this church are allowed to park here. But as they do not do that, the law understands that what that means is these types of places, like a restaurant or a museum, have this understanding that everybody and anybody is invited to come to the parking lot. Ostensibly to go into the building and do whatever you do there, go see an art display, go to a dinner, go to a religious service. So that's the understanding under the law. Now, the church itself is totally different. The building of the church is considered solely the property of whichever ecclesiastical body it belongs to, Presbyterian, Catholic, Baptist, whatever. The building, or any buildings, belong to the church. And nothing can take place in them that is election-related as far as specific (laughs) candidate endorsement. That's the dividing line. That's why you cannot set one foot even on the little pavement area that might be in front of the church or the steps of the church. You cannot go there because that is now part of the physical building of the church. And that's where the separation of church and state laws come in and the IRS laws come in. So that's the reality. But the priests who are concerned about this are concerned about it because this is a peculiar area of law. And it does take a lot of study to figure out. Men like uh, Jim Bopp, the General Counsel for National Rights Life, has been a part of some of these laws. He has looked at these cases. He has worked with the courts. He's actually taken some of these cases to court. And the end-run conclusion of these court decisions is this general understanding of quasi-public property. Does that make sense? But Father, now the second part of that, and this is a lot of answer, the second part of that concern is some people are hearing that some pastors are saying You, as a member of the church, are not allowed to do this. This is going to sound like a bold thing to say in the crypt of Christendom's chapel, but Father is wrong to tell you that. And the reason he's wrong, or any any pastor who says that is wrong, is that this is not, A, a question of faith and morals, and the clergy has authority over teaching us what is a question of faith and morals. This is political activity, about which they do not have authority. And which I said in the beginning, you, as young American citizens, have a different responsibility. So you legally have the right to do this. You have a moral responsibility to do it, I believe, and so does people like Bishop Chapu and others, because we are Caesar. His book, Render Into Caesar, is remarkably good on this subject. That understanding is different than telling you that having an abortion is wrong, or stealing from the house next door is wrong, or what the nature of the Trinity is. Those are issues of faith and morals. That is where Father has the authority. Father does not have the authority to tell individuals in their churches, you may not participate in this. Now, my understanding in having talked to a few buddies of mine who are really solid clergy on these, on pro-life issues and who really respect the church's teaching, they've said that what they think, they've seen the letters, they've seen some, heard some of the comments, they think what's going on is a lot of clergy are quite nervous this year and they're doing something that's quite simply, let's call it CYB, cover your backside. They're being a little extra careful about what the law might or might not do to churches in a year like this. The Bishop of Patterson is right now, being called on the carpet by a quote watchdog group, their pro abortion group. Bishop of Patterson just last week got called out by this watchdog group because his pastoral letter to the Diocese of Patterson, which was magnificent by the way, he called out just down to the wire. It was perfect, it was absolutely brilliant understanding of the power of language. He comes this close to saying, You cannot vote for Barack Obama this close, and then goes, whoop, let me step over here. And verbally, he's totally safe. I checked it with a couple of my lawyer buddies, and I said, oh, man, he skirt that close. But he didn't want to leave anything to doubt in his diocese. He wanted his people to know clearly what we're facing in this election. And I said, yeah, baby, more power to the Bishop of Patterson. And he's one of several like that. But there are these weird watchdog groups that might try something like that. So I understand that a lot of clergy are like putting out bulletins, a lot of bishops are putting out letters, and they're anxious. They're anxious because they know stuff like that is going on. The truth that's interesting to me to note on these things is we've been doing this since 1975. Do you know that there has never been, there has never been a valid effort lifted by any pro-abortion group that has successfully managed... To damage the right of us to do this and the security of the tax exempt status of the church? Never happened. Believe me, if they had any legs to stand on, if they could actually pull this off, don't you think they would have done it by now? I know they would have, because that's how the pro board side operates. And the courts would have sided with them if you could find legal standing. So I, I don't want to say it sounds disrespectful to the clergy, I just know that. Clergy aren't lawyers. And they are not also the laity. The laity has different jobs to do. The laity has different freedom to do certain jobs. They cannot do what we can do. Nor should they. So that's where we stand. Yes, sir. What is your name, sir? Mark. Mark. Hi, Mark. Hi. (laughs) Nice to meet you. Nice to
1: meet you. Um, So unless there's like a sign in the church parking lot saying like Church members only, or something. Right. Like that,
0: then you can't. Yeah, if, if there was a sign, and I mean, find me a church that says church members only come here. <laughs> it's not how churches generally operate. You know, They want you to come and meet the Lord, you know. So it's, it's just, it's kind of, kind of sort of contrary to their purpose. But if there was such a sign that said, you know, members only, you must have a badge that says you're a member, you know, then you can park. But you do see that kind of thing, that does exist. There are places where, like, Freemason, Parking lots, okay. Not that we're going to Freemasons to a lid drop, but they would. They're the kind of private group that often has you know, members-only parking lots. It's not the case for churches. So that's what the courts have said. Groups like that have separated themselves. They are not open places for the public. Does that make sense? Who else? I saw another hand raised. Is there, Oh yes, dear. Go ahead. What is your name?
2: Claire.
0: Claire. Nice to meet you, Claire.
2: But it was just about abortion in general. Anything
0: we can talk about it other than other than the lid drop too? I'm totally cool with that because you know I don't know when I'll get back here again. I'll come back anytime Christendom wants me back. Please go right ahead. Okay, I was
2: wondering um, what what is it like the sixth week? I think that the baby's heart starts beating
0: or the fourth week, right? The baby's heart starts beating about 18 to 20 days, so oh, okay. just okay. about so it's like the third
2: week.
0: yeah, about about the end of the third week, okay. just over I was two weeks. The brain start at six weeks. Oh, six okay. weeks. That,
2: That's, that's when you can actually trace brain waves. Okay. It's the earliest. Um, so then I'm thinking, how does the baby actually count as being human if it doesn't even have
0: a beating heart? Baby counts as being human. Anybody want to answer that question, Christendom students? Why does the newly conceived human being count as human, sir? What's your name? Daniel. Daniel, what is the answer? The baby is a soul. No. Because there are people who don't believe in souls. So how do you, under the law, constitute humanity? Yes, sir, what's your name? Uh,
2: Peter Smith.
0: Peter, nice to meet Um, you. Well,
2: I mean, what I'd say, what I would say is that at uh, conception, when you have a unique human being, um, when you have 46 chromosomes, um, at that moment, it's a unique human being, and it has all the, the capacities
0: that's a way, you're on the money. You're, you're getting close there. You're, you're warm. So, <laughs> you're warm.
2: We have basically its, it's, it's own individual once it has 46 chromosomes. And it is, it is um, at that moment in the process of developing into a whole
0: human. Close, human but, human. but you got cold. Mark? you metabolizing? No. He simpler. It, it's simpler beam, Mark. Heart, right? Much simpler. Peter is close. Simpler. You're human because at the moment of fertilization, you are genetically a new human being, completely separately distinct genetically from anybody else that has ever existed or ever will exist. You are genetically human, the chromosomal structure, etc. You are genetically someone new. For instance, if you were to conceive a little boy, that little boy would have absolutely no connection to your body. That would be a totally separate little male person. That's what makes us human is because of our genetic structure. There's no point at which we have a difference in structure. We're never carrots, we're never dogs, we're never horses. And it's dangerous, Peter, I'll put this to you Why I was picking on you. You don't say things like has the potential to develop because that's pro abortion language. That's their understanding. That's their rhetoric. They'll grant you, they'll say, Well, this new fertilized human being, this new little little tiny one cell person, if you want to grant personhood to this tiny one cell being, has the potential. I grant you, they have the potential to become human. But they're not human enough, they're not developed enough to warrant protection under the law. So it is inaccurate to say anything other than from the moment of fertilization, we have a distinctly new genetic human being for whom every feature of their physical being is already in place. The fact that you have red hair and I do not, the fact that you and I are short, the fact that you guys are chromosomally challenged with that XY problem that you have. (laughs) The fact that some of us in this room are wearing glasses, contacts are great things. Everything about what I am and what I will be, the fact that I'm prone to arthritis and actually have it in both knees, everything physically about me is present at that moment. Nothing physically about my being, where I gain weight, everything is already genetically programmed. That's what constitutes this unique quality of this new human being. Yes, Don.
2: Doesn't a human need a beating heart to
0: stay alive? That's not the point, either scientifically or theologically. In both contexts, what constitutes humanity is, as Peter pointed out, this genetic structure, this chromosome structure, this genetic entity that separates you from a dog or a horse. What you're talking about is viability. When does this human being become capable of living outside the womb? The church does not measure our value, nor should the law measure your value or worthiness of protection under the law, based on your capacity to survive outside of the womb. Right? No, no, no. I I don't
2: mean that. I just okay. don't mean like, how is it like human?
0: How is it alive? Well, that's one of the marvelous miracles of God. Actually, it, it, the, this tiny new one-cell being is alive because what is taking place is the process of cell development, division, etc. And that which will become your heart is in the process of growing, forming, and beginning to function. That's why you begin to have a beating heart barely three weeks after conception. So what keeps us alive? That is actually something science is looking at. Is it energy? There are people who talk about a reality that they're studying now. Is it actually, do women who conceive actually experience an electric burst There are women who know the moment of conception. And there are scientists who are studying, is there some charge literally being sent from the newly conceived human being to the woman's brain, which actually begins a lot of the hormonal changes, etc., that take place. So is it electricity? Perhaps.
2: So there could be something keeping the baby alive before it has a heart, and then once it has a heart
0: once it has the heart the baby oh, no one, we could we continue it. there's electricity coursing through your body right now
2: but is right it, now but
0: I'm did what? you know that <laughs> i mean did, did, who who knew that in this room that there is we 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 send off electrical charges we there is electricity in our being so it doesn't go away it's just that different organs start doing their jobs in place of other parts of our body i mean your brain stem relinquishes more authority to the fully developed brain, once the fully developed brain. Because what's traced at six weeks is your brain stem, not the fully developed brain. But by the time the baby is born, please God, there is a healthy developed brain. And that brain is now doing what the brain stem was doing earlier in the pregnancy. So it is true that different, at different times in your life, different organs provide different levels of activity, energy, support, etc. This young man had a stem, and then I'll go to you sir. Yes?
1: The moment the person is, you know, in that moment when
2: he is, he's, he or she is a distinct human. Yeah. Um, is it not true that uh, they have a right to life, you know, just as every human does? And with these abortion people, you know, them, they're just taking away that right, which that you know, would be considered, you know, not pious.
0: Well, it certainly would be considered not pious. It's against all standards of human rights. It's a very naughty thing to do, <laughs> to be true. Right, well, and you have to understand, Claire's comment about when we become human is an interesting one because that is currently the debate. There is a huge debate about what constitutes humanity. And it's exactly the same kind of rhetoric that's often used, well, if the person doesn't have a heart. if the person There are people without brains in our culture. They're born anencephalic. They don't have what you and I, they don't have brains, but they are alive. Pardon? Well, there's that factor too, but who cares? God doesn't care whether we're killing, and society shouldn't care whether we're killing the geniuses that we certainly have lost because of abortion, or whether we're killing somebody who's severely disabled. Their humanity is a constant. Anything else is a plus. Anything else is a plus. and And we both agree on that. But there's a danger zone if we start saying humanity. Most, do, do, I don't know if you know enough about... You may know this. We're all female. We know certain things The guys may or may not know, unless they come from big families. But the truth is that no woman really can know that she's pregnant with certainty until the baby is how old? Do you know? When can you actually with certainty? Four weeks? Nope. Pardon? Go ahead, darling. Anybody know? Come on some of you are from giant families. I'm the oldest of eight. I knew this. (laughs) Six weeks. The earliest that you can, with certainty, confirm pregnancy is six weeks. When's the earliest abortion that can be performed in the United States? How early can you perform an abortion? Six weeks. Six weeks. No abortion can be performed before six weeks because you cannot confirm pregnancy. Most of us, I mean, I... Some of you know this, some of you don't. We didn't get into this tonight. We can do a whole lecture on this alone. I'm in the movement because I'm a stupid woman who paid someone to kill her child when I was just out of college, last year of school. I was probably at the first week of the fourth month of my pregnancy. So my baby not only had a beating heart and brain waves, my baby was almost getting ready. Within the next couple of days, in the fourth, fourth month of your pregnancy, your little one finds their thumb and tries to get it to their mouth to start learning to suckle. So that's my baby. And that was the baby I killed on February 27, 1981. So the, the reality for those of us who've been pregnant, whether we've had an abortion or had the good sense to give our children life, the truth is, you ask your moms. They did not know with certainty, for the most part. Some women claim they know the moment of conception, but we are rare, the ones that know that. The truth is most moms are still guessing when the baby is already a month old. This is Christendom, but you're all big boys and girls. When you miss a certain part of your life cycle, ladies, when that happens, gentlemen, there could be lots of reasons. It could be midterm time. It could be exam time. It could be that your parents are having major difficulties and your life is upside down. It could be that your children are ill. There could be all kinds of things causing stress in your life, which means missing doesn't necessarily mean pregnant. And many is the woman who goes, I don't know, maybe, maybe yes, maybe no. And it's often well after she misses, not the first, but the second cycle, that she goes, I'm pretty darn certain I'm pregnant now. Well, once she misses the second cycle, what does that baby already have? That's eight weeks, beating heart and brain waves. That's why most abortions occur between the eighth and the eleventh week of pregnancy. Because it takes that long for the average woman to actually go, yeah, I probably ought to get that pregnancy test out. That's the reality. Yes, dear? They can, No, they can find the babies in ultrasound. What they see with the ultrasound before six weeks is harder to identify, but they can, they can see some form of the baby. From about six weeks on, it becomes clearer and clearer and clearer because the baby does have more definition. You can actually see fingers and toes. You can see the baby's face more clearly. You start to see the beating heart. As soon as the heart is there, you can find the heart. So
2: it is actually big enough, though, the heart is, is
0: amazingly powerful on ultrasound, yes. The beating heart is quite powerful from the very beginning. You had a question. We didn't get to you before.
1: Yeah, I was
0: wondering if you'd be able to address a question about some candidates. Sure, I can. Um, so I'll speak on behalf of the Virginia Society Pack. PAC.
2: Right. Um, uh, in, in this election where we have so much is on the line with Obama and McCain, mm-hmm. and uh, just with life, you know, thousands of lives are at stake here. Um, in trying to talk to these people, what exactly would you say in, in looking at a long term fix or one that will save lives now?
0: Again, I point you to your responsibility as Americans, American Christians, making adult decisions. And the reason I point you to that is, it also means that the onus is on you to understand how this system of ours actually works at its maximum capacity for good. In other words, how the law actually happens. How we make law, how law changes. So I point you to that because there are people I understand very well who are not satisfied with Mr. McCain's position on certain issues. I'm not satisfied with a lot of Mr. McCain's positions on a lot of issues. Many of them actually are life issues. I can tell you that he has a 100% perfect voting record on issues that are specifically abortion-related votes. He also has an excellent record on cloning issues. He seems to have a weird loophole when it comes to stem cell research. But I have noted in recent weeks, during towards the end of the campaign, I know various top drawer scientists who actually have been talking to the man. He's actually been in conversation with the likes of David Prentice and Wesley Smith and others and they're working on him because I've noticed a weird change in his rhetoric on the stem cell stuff. He's an old guard politician. He thinks to change horses in midstream would be a bad thing for him. He thinks it would be bad to say all of a sudden now I oppose embryonic stem cell research. He's wrong about doing that, but that's the way old guard politicians think on these issues. You don't change your position in the middle of an election run. But I have noticed that he started to craft his language differently on that issue. And what he's saying is, what's happening in science today with regard to the discussion of stem cells indicates that all discussion of embryonic stem cell research may very soon be moot because of the advances taking place with adult stem cells. That's an interesting way of phrasing it. He's giving himself a way to step out of that circle that supported embryonic stem cell research when he becomes president by saying, I'm president of the United States, I want to see cures. I'm looking at this data, I'm looking at this data, I see cures here, I see nothing here. He's given himself a way out of having been so strongly postured on this side of the issue because he's open to learning with the new. So that's again proof of a, of a kind of candidate I want to endorse. When you look at our system, you have to look at, you have a man like Obama, who is as radical as they come on the abortion issue, on all of the life issues, euthanasia, etc. His health care plans would ration elderly people's care and chronically ill people's care. It would be a nightmare for people living with disabilities and disease. So it wouldn't just be the babies who would be in jeopardy. It would be all of our lives. When you've got a guy like McCain, who has this great record, who is showing that he is willing to at least be taught on other issues. For me, I go, okay, anybody else running hasn't got a snowball's chance. I could vote for Charlie Brown, or I could vote for Mickey Mouse, because I'm not satisfied because I want to make a statement, or I could say, if I give John McCain and Sarah Palin my vote, I'm showing that I understand our process, and I understand that this man has a chance of winning. This man, if he wins, is reasonable on our issue and can be educated. So, this man has a far greater chance of actually, should he be elected, doing something concretely to protect innocent human life versus the other man who we know will do nothing to protect innocent human life. And even if there are other candidates who tell me how wonderful they are and what they believe in is so close to what I believe in, but they never get into office, they never get a chance to do anything. Meanwhile the individual who is committed to do everything he can to harm life gets four years to do what they want. So it's a question of understanding that right now we have power to put somebody into office, hopefully we have enough power, who could do something given the chance, versus one who will do nothing or do worse. So what we do by that is show that we as concerned Americans get we're involved in the political process, we comprehend how it works, we don't, we're, we're not saying we're satisfied with candidates that aren't perfect, but the longer we get involved, the more concretely we take part in what has to happen to get us where we want to go, the more we control who runs for office. If we opt out and say, this group isn't good enough, this party doesn't understand us, they don't reflect our views well enough, well then the party goes, who cares about you then? You're not a part of the process. So that's what I saw when I Being an American means comprehending that this is our tool right now. This is what we have right now. If I use this tool well today, I have more power to use something else tomorrow. Cyrus, you wanted to say something?
1: Yeah, very briefly on that. One of the things that I always say when I have somebody who wants to uh, vote third party um, is if a thousand people in Virginia take say, you know what? I'm fed up with the Republicans or I'm fed up with John Keener. They're not good enough. I hope those same thousand people Barack Obama wins Virginia and because he wins Virginia wins the presidency. I hope those thousand people all line up at that abortion clinic in Washington, D.C. and each of them takes a turn to hold the door open for all the women who are only having abortions because Barack Obama is president. I'm glad they're taking a stand. Increases the abortions in Washington, D.C. Increases the abortions in Fargo, North Dakota and increases the abortions around the world and increases U.S. tax dollar money so talk
0: about open the door and see what they say Yeah, Yeah. very good baby we could lose. we could lose this in Virginia by that much I mean a priest friend of mine over in Northern Virginia, he's given a couple of homilies during the last month and he has a huge parish, he's one of the priests in one of the big giant parishes over there and he says, do you realize that the last in the last state elections our Attorney General won by 500 votes that's two masses on a Sunday at this church. So, if every person in that church had actually voted, he would have won handily by another five. So, the point he's making is a lot of Catholics, a lot of people go, well, it's not important if I vote. <coughs> but he only won by 500 votes. That's only two masses at a church that has eight masses on a Sunday. So, it's, it's a question of recognizing what your responsibility is and what we have to do what we can do at hand. Yes, dear. Sorry, I- really fast um, Are you sure there's any fast questions about that? The
2: latest <laughs> a woman in America, the latest a woman can have an abortion?
0: Nine months. Okay. Up so to the day to of the delivery.
2: Because I know I think in Europe it's like
0: six. No, in Europe, uh, in most countries of Europe, uh, they have varying laws on when abortion can be obtained. In Great Britain, it is also legal in Great Britain to have an abortion through all nine months of pregnancy. Okay. Not in the National Health Service. There, it's only uh, you can only have an abortion up to the seventh month of pregnancy. For the last trimester, it's not illegal. It's up to the sixth month, actually. So seventh, eighth, and ninth, it's not legal. But in the private sector, don't forget that Britain has a private sector for medical care, and in the private sector, abortionists are operating and doing abortions through all nine months of pregnancy. And um, just to
2: clear, partial birth is illegal
0: in the states. No, partial birth abortion is illegal in federal hospitals. Virginia, today, this morning, our partial birth abortion ban, which doesn't ban late-term abortions, it only bans one specific type of late-term abortion. It was, the, the, uh, the, attorney, the attorney General of Virginia took it to the Fourth Circuit, full court, uh, the full Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals this morning, the case was heard, to see whether our own state version of the federal version would stand muster. It's already been turned down twice by a three-judge three panel. And we are hopeful and prayerful that the full court, because our our law mirrors exactly what the federal version says, and that did stand muster at the Supreme Court, so our prayer is that the Fourth Circuit Court will say, well, this has to stand, because it's identical to the federal version, and the federal version stands. Okay, thank you. Yes, ma'am. Um, what was your name, by the way? Carrie. Carrie, nice to meet you, Carrie. Uh,
2: building upon what Cyrus was saying about how number of these states, these elections are going to be very, very close. Um, uh, especially Virginia, which Bush carried twice, right? Um, and which now looks like Obama, it's it's a play for Obama. Mm-hmm. What are going can you tell me what are going to be the consequences of a Barack Obama presidency, <laughs> especially when it looks like they're going to be Supermajorities in both houses of Congress, meaning that pro-life Republicans will not have filibuster power in either of them. What's what's on the agenda for a Barack Obama presidency? How will America change in four years?
0: Well, let me say one thing quickly. Pro-lifers are not Republican or Democrat. We're pro-lifers. So we do, thank God, we have a couple of pro-life Democrats in Congress. Not in the Senate, but in Congress. So let's pray for our pro-life Democrats because they get a lot of beating up all the time. But you are right that there is a very strong chance that we will lose the pro life majority in both houses. That's the significant reality. And we could lose the White House. What that means in the shortfall is with with very short delay, the Freedom of Choice Act will be introduced. If they actually control both houses, the pro aborts that is, they will introduce the Freedom of Choice Act. Everybody in here know what that is? Raise your hand, you know? Okay, The Freedom of Choice Act is perhaps the most terrifying piece of pro-abortion legislation ever developed by pro-abortion people in America today. It was developed during the Clinton years, and we defeated it during the Clinton years. But we did have control of the House, and we had enough control in the Senate to hold it at bay, even though Bill Clinton wanted it passed. What it is is simply, in simple terms, it is a massive umbrella, piece of umbrella legislation, It would immediately, upon passage through the House and being signed by the President, it would immediately overturn and invalidate every piece of protective pro-life legislation currently on the books. There are 28 states, for instance, that have partial birth abortion laws. All 28 of those laws would be overturned. There are approximately 25 states that have parental involvement laws. There are about 18 states that have women's right to know laws. All of those laws save babies' lives and protect women like me from the violence of abortion. All of those laws would be immediately overturned by the Freedom of Choice Act. In consequence, what the Freedom of Choice Act simply says, in a nutshell, is that Congress and state law, state legislators, shall not have the authority to make any law that interferes with or places a burden upon the access of a woman to an abortion or impinges upon or puts burdens upon abortionists or doctors who perform abortion. So that immediately invalidates all of our state laws. It goes further And it suggests, it produces, it goes on to say that no state shall have the authority, nor shall Congress have the authority, to pass any laws that impinge upon free access to abortion. Now, many people say to me, oh, but that won't stand muster the Supreme Court, surely won't let that stand. It's far too overreaching, it's just way too broad in scope. This is the same country that had a Supreme Court that gave us Roe v. Wade. This is Christendom, and we're not supposed to talk about getting out tea leaves and crystal balls, but I'm not going to start second-guessing a Supreme Court that gave us Roe v. Wade, on which we currently have only four potentially solid pro-life votes. We only have three. I would say we can pretty much count on Justice Roberts now. We've We've had a chance to see him hand down two major decisions on abortion. We are not sure yet completely about Alito because we have not seen him hand down major decisions on the abortion question yet. People talk about, well, his papers say this and his writings say that. Trust me, I'm older than you are. I'm old enough to be your mother. And I can tell you that if you trust the Supreme Court justices to do what you think they will do, you are very foolish. Everybody thought Anthony Kennedy was a safe, secure, pro-life judge. The only pro-life vote he's handed down has been his vote on partial birth abortion because just like so many others, partial birth abortion goes too far for Anthony Kennedy. So we don't have a majority on the Supreme Court. So there's every reason to believe that if this thing passes and invalidates all of our state laws and virtually makes criminals of any pro-life or a pro-life legislator who attempts to pass a law, or support a law, or protect a law, that this current Supreme Court will side with the legislators. So, you want to start building your catacombs now? Because that's where the pro-life movement's going to go. That is the that is the primary thing that will happen. now. People say, well, the judges are going to die. A Barack Obama judge is going to be another pro-abortion judge. No, some people say, well, that means the four guys who are there are going to stay sit tight. Justice Scalia has not been well. So, God willing, he will be protected and well and safe and he will stay. Who is to say anyone of the others is going to stay? They look young and healthy, but God's in charge, right? We are fools if we think, well, we're okay because those guys are young and healthy and strong. That's not how we operate. I want a pro-life president in there who has promised to put in strict constructionist judges, which is what McCain has promised over and over and over again, because I don't know what God has in store for any of the other men sitting on the court right now. And I'm not allowed to second guess the Lord, am I? But I have got the opportunity to put a pro-life president in, and that's why what you're doing next week is so vital. Because Virginia is still in play, people. Obama was in Harrisonburg today. Biden was in Roanoke last week. They haven't given up on Virginia, nor on some of your other states where some of you guys come from. We are still in play. Anything could happen on Tuesday. Cyrus? Oh, it's getting pretty late. I know, it is getting late. I can stay and chat with anybody who wants to chat. Yeah, Yeah. anybody anybody wants to to
1: go. What exactly do you want from us? Not everybody here is in any way committed to joining us and have a list of names, and hopefully at the end. No,
0: everybody here is committed. You are all going to do this because so. I know where you live now, and I will come and find you all. <laughs> everybody will do this. We need you. We need you. You are young. You are strong. It is fun. It is exciting to do this. Um, by the way, if we if we wanted to, pre- if we wanted uh, places where we can't do, I want you guys to. Pull some money. All you need is a couple of cheap poster boards. We're going to do this, too. Where you can't, where you can't get on the lots because they are nervous or they really ask you to go, there's sidewalks at church entrances and exits. And you own those because you pay taxes, or somebody in your family paid taxes for those sidewalks. And so we've done this in other states. We're going to hang poster boards around our necks, and it's going to say, full-life information. Some of us are going to be bold, and we're going to say, 50 million children will die, babies will die if Barack Obama is elected. Vote pro life, vote McCain Palin. That way they'll still get the message. And we're going to hand out to anybody who stops and rolls down their window this same little cardboard thing that says, Vote McCain Palin. And they did this a couple years ago in Arkansas when they were unable to get on a lot of church lots. Every piece of literature was taken, they didn't have any left over. That's kind of unheard of. There's always like some place where you couldn't get... Somebody always says, I've still got a box of these things in my car. What am I supposed to do? I don't know. They make great fire (laughs) starters. Put them in the fireplace for Christmas. I don't know. We don't want that to happen if we can. And you have the right to stand on the sidewalk and just politely with your sweet, beautiful... 20-year-old smiles, nobody's going to say no to you. Oh, look at that pretty young thing. Here, yes, I'll roll down my window, George. I'll get it, Harriet. And they'll roll down the window and they'll take it from you. So we're asking you guys to get a couple of packages of poster board, make a couple of signs, get some yarn, get ready to hang it around your necks, have it in the car, whip it out, and do it. And I need you to understand how critical you are because in point of fact, there are sections of the state... I'd like to say that the Virginia Society for Human Life, because it's the oldest state organization, has this great whopping huge chapter-wide, statewide organization of lots of adults who are completely committed. It's the oldest pro-life organization in America. You know what that means? The house is old. It needs the paint repaired. It needs the steps fixed. It needs a lot of work. I inherited the mantle of president only to discover that there were huge sections of the state where I virtually have no chapters at all which is why I've enlisted the help of as many universities as I could get my hands on this fall. You're going where we don't have others, but where we know people are committed to this issue. And we know that what you do, when you do these lit drops, it can bring out as much as 1% to 3% of the pro-life vote. There are people, just like we were talking about moments ago with that other gentleman, who are there are lots of people sitting in pews and churches, not just Catholic churches, other churches throughout the state, kind of going, well, I was a Ron Paul person, or I like, you know... Reverend Huckabee, I don't want this guy because he's not my man well then, do you like Barack Obama because he'll be your president we need to remind people and these pieces are one last moment to say, remember the babies you might have liked Governor Huckabee a whole bunch he's a real kind of cool kind of dude, he has a great little bass guitar he plays but remember the babies and that's why we do the left draw. yes sir
1: I heard this phrase just last night, um, I'm tired of voting defensively, trying mm-hmm. to keep somebody out. And I wanna, and, and sometime we have to just vote for the best person and for real change or something. Or something, I don't know what they said. And, and I don't- and They were leading Barack? I, no, 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 no. Oh, I'm tired of voting to
0: keep Barack.
1: Yeah, that, I'm tired of voting to keep Kerry and so out. So. I, I wanna vote to put someone good in and not vote for sort of like my second choice. Okay, then
0: vote for Sarah Palin. Just vote for Sarah Palin. <laughs> hey, you know, tell you that. Look, tell you that. just go right over to John McCain. Okay, then just vote for, you know. I mean, you know, okay, then, then, then just hold your nose and vote for John McCain, and then go, I'm voting for Sarah Palin. You know, because you know, we're talking 2012 here people. I mean that woman ain't going anywhere. She's going to be back. She's back. I mean, it's going to be entertaining. I don't know what's going to happen in 2012, but I guarantee you, barring God's plan taking her someplace else, she will be a front runner she will be out there so you're voting for Sarah Palin. Now, what you do, does does everybody understand how this works? We put you out in teams. We send you out um, Cyrus and our our statewide coordinators Tracy Carter and Holly Smith. We coordinate the states. I think are you guys going to be sticking mostly to the the 10th district? Is that the plan? If we get as us- Okay, the more of you we get, and there's still time for more of you to sign up. Still, I Frankly, you know, this is the thing. I'm a little Catholic girl who got lost, found her way back to the church, and I want the entire student body of Christendom committed to this. I don't think I'm going to get you all because I know there's a powder puff football game, but I want all It was awesome. Yes. See, the Holy Spirit is on our side, guys. The Holy Spirit is on our side. I want as many Christendom kids as possible. And I'm stealing you all from Virginia. Nobody else can have you, even if you're not Virginians. But I want you because I, frankly, right now, I'm doing it by myself in Prince William County with three young ladies from Mary Washington. That's all I could peel off of Mary Washington because they need them too desperately down in the Fredericksburg Culpeper area. I'd love to have maybe five or six of you come join me down in Prince William County. And what we do is we quite literally set up, we know when the churches are, we know we're not just doing Catholic, we're doing Baptists, Assembly of Gods, we're doing LDS. Believe it or not, Mormons don't necessarily vote the way they're supposed to. We've got to cover our bases. We know who we're targeting. We're doing Missouri Synod Lutheran. We're doing High Church Anglicans that are pro-life. You know, there's a bunch of new pro-life Anglicans out there. A lot of them are in Virginia. Two of them are right by my house in Woodbridge. So we're going to be targeting these churches. What you do is you go onto the parking lot while the service is on. You drop this, the, the piece either on their windshield or in the, the driver's side door. Until somebody says, please go away. And if they don't say go away, you do the whole parking lot. You get out of there before the church, the service lets out. And why? Because you've got the timing. You know, when you're supposed to be where. If one church service starts at 10 and the next one starts at 1045, you're done. You bop town. And at 11 o'clock, you're out there doing the next thing. So we keep you in a zone. We send you out in teams of two, if possible, three, if better. We try to get you to various places. We need as many cars as possible, but those of you who don't have cars, we're going to hook you up with local adults who do have cars and so that you'll be picked up and going from place to place to place to place to place. And you run like crazy, you get a lot of exercise, you move like the wind, you feel totally pumped because it's the closest you're ever going to come to being asked to do something that feels very, very naughty
1: <laughs>
0: and is so valuable and actually is so And it's remarkable, and it's just remarkable. You'll find people actually going out sometimes and say, well, can I help? Say, yeah, here, there's a pile. It's amazing what happens. You find people who are cranky. There is a possibility that this year there will be Democrats in parking lots, making life really tough for us. I am worried about that. And you don't get any fights. You don't talk to people. You get off the parking lot. If you get told to leave, you never take anything off the car. Sometimes a deacon from the church will go, you must take all those off the car. I'm sorry, I cannot, because it now belongs to the owner of the car. <laughs> legally, legally, once something's on your car, that subway you know, shop form, the pizza parlor flyer, it's now yours. To do with as you see fit. It's yours. You can't touch it now because it belongs to the owner of the car. So, It is an amazing thing. We're going to probably send you out mostly, I think, up. We're going to try to keep you in this area. We're not worried. There's certain parts of the state we're not worried about. I'm not really worried about Shenandoah Valley. They're going to be okay. That's a solid red area of the state. We are worried about just north of you guys and in this area too Frank Wolf's district, Winchester, Loudoun, up this neck of the woods. We need to disperse Christendom up and around into that area. I don't know how many. It really depends on how many of you say yes and how much trouble it's going to be to get you places. We're going to put you up. You're going to sleep on people's floors on Saturday night. You're going to go to church at 5 o'clock on Saturday night so that you're free all day Sunday. We don't do it on Saturday because we don't tip off the churches.
1: Olivia.
0: Yes, dear. Um, Will
1: we be going to church here at 5.30 and then this first Um That kind of depends on how many of you are and how
0: much difficulty it's going to be getting groups of Christendom kids to various parts of the, of the state where we need you. Um, What
1: sort of time, are you looking at from... We're looking at
0: the morning, all of Sunday morning. And
1: how much is Saturday night? Depends.
0: Well, it depends on, yeah, I mean, you have to figure, if we need you to be, like, way over on the 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 far eastern side of Wolf's District, out that way beyond Potomac and Great Falls and up that neck of the woods, we're going to probably ask you to leave the night before and sleep someplace.
1: Sure.
0: Um, That would mean, I mean... Most folks would be happy if you didn't show up and, you know, you don't have to get there early. Some folks might invite you for dinner, but you wouldn't have to. You can go to, it depends on where we send you, how many of you are, what we're going to do. Has Tracy been talking to you at all? I mean, I'm not really sure. Does she? Has she given you an idea of what she wants you to do? We
1: talked about numbers, but we didn't talk about specific areas.
0: She hasn't talked to you about area yet.
1: But, so we're seemingly
0: Because the other possibility to... is we might if we get enough Christendom kids, there's nothing going on down in Warrington yet. We might send some of you down in Warrington way. Sure, well, exactly. So you, you wouldn't morning, need to you could zip out in the morning, you can get head out in the morning you know, for that. But,
1: uh, so we're looking at seemingly days, five thirty mass in town, some um, you know, convince Father Key to do it, you know, it's a good cost. Um, and then similarly, either later in the evening on Saturday or just Sunday morning if people are willing to leave early.
0: Right. If you're willing to leave early, you'd head out. You want to start. I don't generally worry about the earliest masses. What you really want to do is probably hit the prime, prime church services. So like the 8.30, 9 o'clock range through to the masses that are done by about 1 o'clock. The, the churches that have masses at like 12:30 and finish up by 1. We are going to be targeting in some places the Spanish masses, so that could mean having a lingering. Uh, we need you around longer because the Spanish masses very often don't start. Like at my church, at Our Lady of Angels, the Spanish mass doesn't start until 12:45. It's not done until almost two. And over at um, I mean the church next door, at Holy Family, the Latin mass doesn't start until one o'clock. So you know it's. We're going to see, there, aren't, there, there are some places where we want to target that in some places. So, if you have a need to get back, you'd have to make sure you're on a team that's going to be able to get back. We can coordinate. The more of you we've got, that sort of depends on how we coordinate you and where we put you and what we do with you. Right now, this is amazing. You guys right now outstrip every other school that we've got committed. So, except except Maybe William and Mary, they're awful close. They have 113 kids in their pro life at William and Mary. Do not. Impressive. <laughs> Who would have thought it was William and Mary, huh? Pretty cool. Yes, um, do you have any funds for gas money to cover that? Sentence? We'll figure out a way to help you do that. Yeah, We're going to figure out how to do that. It, it depends on how many cars we've got coming from here and what we're going to have to do to, to get you where we need you. All right. If you've got a
1: car and you signed up and you're willing to send it, please make sure you like put an X on the last side of your name or something so we have some idea of what we can
0: Because you figure if you've got one car, five of you can get in a car. Almost any car. you know. So, and if you've got, into, anybody's got a bigger car, I don't know if any college students actually do, but if anybody's got a bigger car, you can put more than five in. Everybody. Pardon? And
1: everybody has a car. And,
0: <laughs> <laughs> so we'll just figure this out. What can I tell you? What do you want to know about this? Because I'm, I'm really, I, we can talk about other things too. I, I can hang around, you can come, you can go. I'm loving this because this is the, this is the first time ever that a National Anti-Life person's had a chance to visit with Chris and I'm officially, and I'm really excited about this. How close is the race in Virginia right now: There are multiple polls that I just saw today. Three polls have the spread at about two points, and actually have McCain ahead by two points. Um, the other four polls that I saw have Obama ahead still. One poll had him ahead by as much as eight, but there were two other polls that only had him ahead by six. So that means that we're much, much closer to seeing this flip. Much closer. So
1: this definitely
0: could make a difference. Make a huge difference. Absolutely. I mean if it comes to if if the two point polls are the ones that are actually correct, and we pull out one to three percent, which is the pro life increment. actually in some races like this one, the pro life increment can be as much as five percent. So if the pro life vote is thoroughly motivated this year, it could push as much as three to five. But we know that the lit drop itself pushes as much as one to three. Just the lit drop because we've polled for years on what people remember, what they saw, what influenced them, and we know that these lit drop pieces influence voters, pro life voters. Yes, Peter. Um, what kind of influence do we know
2: that third party is going to have on Virginia this mean, Especially among I
0: mean, like Constitution <laughs> Party and Green Party and yeah. all that.
2: I think especially with like Catholic certain voters. I know in like New Hampshire it's yeah. posing a big problem.
0: I think it could be a problem in parts of Virginia. Not throughout the state, but parts of Virginia. Could be a problem. Uh, I think that, in fact, frankly, there are people in the western part of the state still talking about writing in Ron Paul. I I don't know where they're coming from with that, but they're talking about writing in Ron Paul. But I don't think it's going to be a massive. I think that most Virginians who understand politics understand that it's down to deal with the situation that's either Barack or McCain. Or put your hand up for Barack because that's what you're really talking about. I do think that traditionally in Virginia you only see maybe a two percent in certain parts of the state, and that includes Green Party, Constitution Party, all the various and sundry libertarians. All of them. it never seems to be much more than two percent. So I don't think it's going to be much more than that this year. I think Virginia is savvy enough to know where they, where they have to work it. But maybe we should just break it up and let it go. And anybody who wants to stick around, I'll stay. If you want to, listen, listen. Let me tell you this too, guys. I am on Facebook. Everybody can friend me. It's Olivia Gans. Okay? You are welcome. To... Really happy to meet you. And you're welcome to stay in touch. My email is easy too. It's nrlc girl at.